The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. When my dad threw me out of the house and said, you're dead and you're out of the will and never call me again, it was really easy to write the narrative that he was a jerk, he never loved me. It was hard for anybody to say differently. Andy, you're seeing this wrong. Now you probably get triggered. Then I would. I would say, you didn't grow up under him. You don't know what it was like. Who are you to tell me that he actually loved me? Because in a way, if, if that story gets dismantled, then who the fuck are you? Yeah, which I needed him to be the perpetrator so that I could play the victim role. Everything I looked at through the lens of what an asshole shifted to, wow, he loved me that much that he actually had to act this way because he was trying to protect me. If people ask me, did you forgive your father? I didn't forgive him. I finally saw him. The question didn't feel relevant. I think if there's anything, I said, I forgive myself for not seeing him all those years. It's a wonderful chaos. Solo or tandem. We work to find rest and fight to find peace. Both head and the heart. What are we doing here? You mean listening to this show? Where the more that you learn is the less that you know. Where the wounded are healers. And the atheists pray? It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we uh, what's your story? What's your story? What's We're going to discuss. What's your narrative? What does it mean? How does it impact you if you have a narrative? And if you don't have a narrative? I think I, I'm kind of living that myself, like rewriting ah. the story that I've been holding on for a very long time. Isn't that beautiful? And the story was COVID destroyed my business. Mm. Uh, I'm... And even when things were, I had like periods during COVID when things were going well, but then I would not in, celebrate those ones because I'd be anticipating when things were when get going bad. Again. I remember because you would like have a good a good month, and I said that's great. And you, what would you say to me? You'd say something that would always be like, "Yeah, but you know, I'm saving for." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd always be the "but I am." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a way, since I'm back from Cyprus. I, I have purpose in, in mm. terms of what I want to do financially. Mm, nice. And why I would want to have a, a certain amount of money in my life. Uh-huh. And that drove me to reinvent everything that I thought was supporting me and actually wasn't. So wow. raising my prices three times. Some friends got triggered when I raised my prices because it, it, uh, especially a few male, male friends yesterday said to me, wow, that triggers me because... If I do that, possibly I don't get any clients. Uh, and that's the belief I carried for a long time. If I, but what happened was I tripled my prices. Uh-huh. And I had friends that still want to work with me. And I had a new flow of clients that otherwise would not have come, as far as I saw. Fascinating. So I find myself having more time and making and working less in terms yeah. of photo shoots, but making money to sustain me. Yeah. And 
if I catch my mind, like the old pattern, oh, wow, how long can I sustain this? Mm. Like that's, that's the old pattern. And those are the moments where I'll sit down. I'll make space for the thought, but what I don't do is push it away and let it become an underlying current of sabotaging me because yeah. I could be saying one thing <laughs> and all of a sudden my body is living another uh, vibration. Yeah. And today I, I caught another narrative, if you like. The narrative is when I go back to Cyprus in October, I'm going to start from zero. <gasps> and I'm like, Fuck me. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Like, I caught it and it was like, wow, I, I'm no longer going to say this story. I, I have a lot of network in Cyprus. I have a lot of family. And there, there, is, there is a bubble which can support and sustain whatever I want to create in life. Isn't that interesting? As long as I claim it. Like, no, no one's going to like, hey, here, here you go. It's like, I need to state what I want and how I want to live. That's yeah. where I see it. And people can meet me there or not. Mm. So I feel, I feel there's a lot of strength in me right now in terms of how I'm living. Mm. So mm. where do you, I mean, you came up with this uh, title. So what was happening for you when you um, brought it up? I mean, a lot of things when I saw, the title came to me a few weeks ago and it dawned on me that, you know, I, I'm always writing narratives and, and I always laugh because I could write several narratives for the same situation. And I often do for marketing reasons. So I was on the phone today with somebody and, um, and, and they were, uh, they've got a, a great product and they don't necessarily promote themselves well. And then they told me logically what they do. And when I heard what they were doing, I said, oh, you're, you're explaining it, but you're not giving me a sensation of what it feels like to have done the course you're doing or to, uh, uh, to interact with you. Like, why do I want to interact with you? And then, then this individual would go into explaining it. As opposed to exploring, ex uh, sharing the experience, the journey. Yeah. Or giving me a sense of what an experience would be that would make it attractive. I know that this person is successful. They have a lot of people that go through their trainings. A and yet they're not scaling it up because each individual is someone they know. So they need to communicate it to a broader audience. And in order to do that, you need to have a story that attracts people to you. Yeah. And, and, and he keeps explaining it. Um, and it can work. I don't want to say that there's not an audience One for that. One second. Explaining, yeah. when you say explaining, it feels like he's trying to sell it. No, he's not trying to sell it, but he's trying to help. He's trying to have you understand why you want to do it. He's giving away the course before the person's interested in the content. Mm. So he's explaining what you would learn in the course, but they haven't actually bought into the idea of taking the course. So can I do something funny with yeah. you? Sh um, share the, why anyone would want to watch this. <laughs> oh, if I was to say why you watch A Wonderful Chaos, yeah, I would say you watch A Wonderful Chaos because you want to spend an hour with people that connect you just to the joy of being. Like that's why you spend an hour. You spend an hour to be with us. That would be it. 
I was hoping for a different answer. I can give several answers. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I can't see any reason why anyone would. <laughs> no, well, well, you wanted, I, I was putting on my promotional marketing hat, right? Yeah, yeah. If I was telling you independently and no camera was there, I'd say, I don't know, I have any idea why people would join us for an hour, you know? And, and yet yeah. I have to make a narrative and that's the narrative I've created. And then someone say, oh yeah, I understand that. I can identify mm -hmm. with that. I'm sure Iris Alfer bowl along who are with us every day they enjoy just being with us and that J would be the reason why jc yeah. are you there and jc who might be there yeah yeah beautiful yeah so and, and 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 so since i'm always working in narrative i'm also seeing my life through narrative and i and one one of the uh i think i've mentioned a few i, I kind of i also see my life in these cinematic moments I sense that, oh, this feels like a cinematic moment. I can see the camera and the lighting, and there's this decision I'm making, and it's such an intense decision. It's life-changing. That whole, the whole intensity of, of that experience. Are we talking about the house in Spain? House of Spain, yeah, that was certainly one of those moments. I can imagine you. Yeah, I felt like, you know, the story has already been told a few times, but I'm sitting there in Ibiza, and I just am finding it very exciting and attractive for all the wrong reasons. And then I do an internet search and I sense every bone in my body says, get on an airplane, fly three or what I don't know what it's been probably an hour and a half to another location to buy a place and just do it. This is the right thing to do and you know it. Don't tell a story otherwise. And so, and so. Honey, pack your bag. Exactly. <laughs> she was in, she didn't actually, she didn't, there was no resistance. And we also said, once we get there, if it doesn't happen, we don't care. So we don't go there trying to make it the right place. If it's not the right place, it was the greatest. It was like, that was my narrative. Mm -hmm. I made a narrative was that we're living in the moment. We're going for the experience. And maybe this experience just teaches us that this isn't the place for us. And that's fine. So it's I'm dreaming, but I'm surrendered. Yeah. Beautiful. And that was a narrative. And we created that narrative that we shared between ourselves before we got in the airplane. Because if we went there and then we didn't like the place, but we actually were forcing ourselves to like it, that wouldn't have felt very good. C can we break this down for a moment? So, you know, it's very difficult. I like I, I can see my own life in the past. Mm -hmm. I, like, I don't even know if if I if I know what I'm doing. But in a way, in the past, I'd get lost in a story. Yeah. And I'd hold on to that story for God knows why. Yeah, of and, course. And it was like letting go of that story was scary because what would be the alternative? Yeah, this, the alternative is creating another story, which is also bullshit, but it serves you better. <laughs> no tension. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole thing is, is that, you know, our minds, I often, at least in myself, will see, and I think others would see it as well, is in no story, there's tension. So our minds are gravitating to trying to make sense of things. And our sense making, how we make sense of things, defines how we interact with those things. Mm. So, like, when you brought up your, your transition at the beginning of the show – the way I saw you framing it and the way, by the way, the way that Ronnie will often, often frame things is in a scarcity. She's what we don't have, what needs to exist, what would ideally be there if, 
And the way I do it is, isn't it great that I'm grateful for, I can't imagine that. Like those are all the, 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 the way I'm like yeah. experiencing the world. So gratitude is really key here. Yo, clearly gratitude Like really, stay, really grounding in the present moment and enjoying the journey. Yeah. Gratitude is key. Yeah. It's a mindset. It's it a, is. A it's a way of being. Clearly, it's a way of being. Yeah, but I mean, I I don't want to, <clears throat> I don't want to confuse the show, because yes, because I've cultivated that mindset in myself, my narrative is more in alignment with that mindset. But anyone can create any narrative, even if they don't have that mindset. It won't be easy to to um to stay consistent with it because you'll feel your your internal organs like struggling against it yeah yeah i i guess it's also having to do with what are you surrounding yourself with and, I, and i'm talking specifically about people books um, Agreed. like just just your life and and uh bob deutsch is making a very interesting point by the way Oh, Bob. Him? Bob is, is joining us today. Hi, Bobby. Bob, we love you. But why create a narrative beforehand? Why not live in the moment and see what you feel? I love it because it gets to another point I wanted to, yeah. to, to speak to. I mean, I'm all for living in the moment, obviously. And I live in a society. And I live around people who need a narrative often in order to join me on the journey I'm taking. So it's it's funny because if I didn't have a narrative for Ronnie before we went to buy the house in Spain, then Ronnie would have been anxious. Mm. So in a way, I enjoyed the narrative. I mean, I was aware of this narrative. I even stated it to Ronnie as I was doing it. And it made the trip immediately relaxed because we had a common understanding of what this journey meant to us. Mm. Right. So, like even to, even to the point when I remember telling her, isn't this going to be a cool story to tell people that we got on an airplane in the middle of a trip to fly to some place to get a house? Like how how weird is that? And and I think she could feel the joy of that narrative as well. Yeah. Hmm. It, it, it's almost like. Um, we're going to have a story in our head, so we might as well create a story which serves us yeah and and finding that balance because you can sit like i think the trick is or or, or the trap is you tell yourself a story but you don't embody it so it's like i'm not going to fall if i jump out of the window i'm not, not like yeah just telling yourself things but you, in your body you feel the tension so mm -hmm. it's how to how to create a story which is grounded and embodied yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you're looking at it from what's the consequence? This is what I hear. What's the consequence of telling ourselves different stories? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and the consequence of telling ourselves different stories is that we react differently to the world. So you'll hear the story also could be equated with a belief system, because uh, like if if you're if you uh, if you're going to like, let's take an example of something that let's say if you're going to go to meet somebody and you cancel it and that person's disappointed, they could react four different ways. They could say, oh, I'm really sad you're not coming. Or they could say, oh, apparently it wasn't in the stars. 
or they could say <laughs> that really happened <laughs> <laughs> and i mean each way of sharing that story is how they process that experience for themselves and you learn a lot about a person through how they process yeah, the story Bob Deutsch is with us again. So he's not going away. Tell the other, let's not have a prior story. (laughs) Oh my God. That's great. So, so why not at least try to tell the other? So in this case, let's say Ronnie, my wife, let's not have a prior story. I love, I love the way Bob's mind works. And if he had to live with my reality, I, he could never write that. So, <laughs> you know my reality, <laughs> by, by the way. Yeah. Um, and it, but just to, just to touch on his point is that he's, he's suggesting, so I live in my own life and I, and I do my best to take everyone else into account. And it's not that everybody needs a narrative, mm. but I can tell you in, 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 the, in the companies that I, I'm also supporting if there isn't a narrative, then individuals within that company will not feel aligned to the company as much because they don't know why they're there. So when they talk about a vision and communicating a vision, that often is creating a narrative for why are we here? What do we do? How do we do it? So uh, I don't know. Bob might be trying to make another point that I'm not quite understanding, but I do agree with him that there's living in the moment. But I also do feel like if we're in groups and individuals, especially in leadership roles, aren't saying this is where I want to be and this is what I see and why I see it and why we're going there. Other people have a hard time understanding why they want to sacrifice 40 hours a week for that that thing. Yeah. But Bob might but, he but, might but uh, he might add to that. It's almost like if someone doesn't even know what living in the moment is. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't force it on them. So the best, the most loving thing to do is to create a narrative. That's wonderfully stated. And the way I do it nowadays in my own life is I'll share that this is, this is what we're doing and I'm holding it very lightly Yeah, because I don't know what the, what the outcome can be. So I can't promise anything and so forth. Mm. (sighs) Yeah. Nice. Bob Deutsch. Again, <laughs> he keeps coming back. Bob Deutsch, I think we should bring you on. <laughs> I like what he's, he's pointing at something is that a narrative is written in it, a narrative is written backwards. And he's saying, what about the expect, unexpected obstacles and hence the surprises that occur going forwards? And that would also be part of the narrative as, as I would also feel. Yeah, It might be better to use a word because we might. I always have to slow down a little bit because I, I, I'm not as exacting in my words as a lot of others, but I often see the word framing. How did I frame the experience with Ronnie? So it wouldn't necessarily be what story did I tell to make it a reality as much as how are we going to frame this trip so we get great joy no matter what happens. Because you would have had great joy regardless. I would have had great joy regardless, but I would have noticed some tension in Ronnie because she has certain expectations. I, I live life with far fewer expectations than she has. So you're taking into account. I took, take, but I also, I, I have to admit, I, I don't only see that with Ronnie. I see that with most of the meetings I will join in groups where there's not a shared understanding of why we're here. What's the purpose of the hour? What do we want to achieve at the end? So I'll often say, what's the narrative in my head? And I'll say, this is why I see us here. This is why 
I, what I'd like us to achieve at, at the end of this meeting. So I'll often see that and fill that in, and I'll call that the narrative that I've created. I do it on the show every day. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's also the narrative that I talk about often. It's here. Iris says, I find also a narrative about my past when meeting new people. I notice how I present my past stories and it changes. Yeah, that's nice. Hmm. And I think this is something that I wrote down um, when I... um, when I was uh, thinking about uh, success coaches. Like uh, what I've found is you'll hear people when they're presenting themselves, they create a story. And the more I see that story comes from them trying to get me to see them in a certain light, the more the narrative becomes less interesting for me. Mm. The more the narrative is an authentic sharing of what it is that they do, their passion, then all of a sudden they become more attractive as a person. Yeah. So it's interesting in narrative is that a narrative might be really good, but if it's presented in a way that you feel the person is trying to get you to feel a certain way about them, then all of a sudden it becomes very, very unappealing for me. Yeah. Hmm. And I see that happen a lot when people work with success, like that's success coaches because they have to create or they don't have to. They often create narratives about themselves so that you have the feeling that by being around or with me, that you'll be around other successful people who are. So they'll throw around names easier and they'll act self-important and they'll play uh, uh, a certain part that isn't truly authentic. Mm. Now, there's a twist to that story and this is the hard part is there's that saying is you know fake it till you make it so there is a degree to which you do need to give a degree of confidence that you can deliver yeah and where's that balance and that's just that's something everyone's got to decide for themselves yeah, yeah it, it's almost like what is the underlying intention behind what they're putting out mm-hmm. and is is it really like I'm putting this package up because it's a win-win for me and for you, or I, I need you for me to win. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'll often see you in your coaching sessions mm. um, in general is you might even say things to people that want to work with you to, to kind of push them away. Mm. And I love that about you because it, it almost feels like I want to work with you only if the conditions are right and not because I need something from you. Yeah. And that if you say yes to this, it's going to cost you. And you're, and, but because of that, you're, you're going to do the work. Yeah. I'd often say I, I probably deliver more value to people that I don't work with than I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I say, listen, there's things you need to actually make decisions about before you come and work with me, right? And then they have to figure out how they want to make the certain decisions in their lives. Mm. I wanted to share a funny story with you. One of the best days of my life and one of the worst days of Ronnie's life. We're in the Shard. And I don't know if you know what the Shard is. It's this 
incredible building in London. It's called the Shard because it looks like shards of glass that are all shooting up into the sky and it makes this crystal-like dome. It looks like the set of like the original Superman when they went to the mm. the the um wherever the sit wherever the location was he was born. North Pole, something like So that. we go to have lunch, which is something we wouldn't normally do. We wouldn't normally do lunch together at a nicer place, but we said let's do high tea you know, 70 stories up at this building overlooking the London. Yeah. So we get in the elevator. I kind of bluff my way in because there's two elevators. It's very exclusive. And we we come out and it is really beautiful. It's an experience. And I'd love just having experiences. We sit in the little restaurant. We're overlooking this incredible view. And we have our high tea. comes on like four layered plates with this bread where the crust is cut around the outside and typical British high tea. Now I say, Ronnie, I'd love to do something with you. I want to write a children's story with you. Let's do this. So at lunch, we just start writing a children's story together. And the story, you know what the story was? No. Jan the Mirror Maker, which is featured in the last letter. You probably didn't know that. That's a great story, by the way. It's a great story. So I'm with Ronnie, and and then she and and then I am asking her details. Say, Ronnie, what does the guy do? He's this, and what is this? And so I'm asking her question, and I'm starting to translate her answers into a story. So the story takes about an hour, hour and a half, and it's the first time we've ever done this, and and it's a like a connecting moment. It's beautiful. And we're getting we're getting so wrapped up in the story that we lose track of time, and then we see that we're late for our flight back to Amsterdam, and we miss our flight. Okay, I am like smiling and laughing, and I'm saying, Ronnie, this is incredible. This story that we read, that we wrote together, was so like so entranced and it gave that that stopped us from getting on the plane this is like this is really beautiful (laughs) and then ronnie was just like oh my god you know we lost our plane and now this and now that and and she was really really agitated so the story i wrote about that was that we had a magical moment wrote a story which we'd never done together and a story was so compelling and interesting and so forth that we lost a flight (laughs) and hers was we lost track of time because we did something irrelevant, unimportant, and now I have to pay for an extra night hotel and go to Amsterdam a day late. Yeah, love it. Andy, <laughs> Yes. so my question to you, since you used that story, I don't see Ronnie's name. Exactly. Is well, it, I, she didn't write the story. She answered my questions. <laughs> I said, what does Jan do for a living? But you're right. She should have been given some credit for the. She would have read answers. the book probably if it was. Yeah, exactly. She doesn't just, even know just because she doesn't read her, it. Her stories in. Yeah. So that was an example of how we both had a similar experience, and the narrative around that experience was was very different. Yeah. Can we slow down a little bit? Yeah. <sighs> if. So when we do narratives, uh, what's coming up for me also, Mm. there's another space where we do it. And that is when we make assumptions about things that we see projecting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the moment we do that, to what degree 
is there an ability to ask questions to see if the projection, if the narrative we have about the person is real, or do we just hold, hold that image on? And I've seen that to be very difficult uh, when someone puts a label on something. Clearly. Like a, a friend of mine said, oh, this, I see, I met this person and, and I, I feel that they're evil. I'm mm. like, evil? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And, and I saw in our conversation, whatever, whatever I, I said about this other person, yeah. it was very difficult for my other friend to, to take away the word evil because mm. she, she held it really like, that's what I felt. That's what I saw. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, interesting, evil. Okay. Yeah, I think. You know, there was a word that Bob Deutsch wrote earlier on another subject. Context. The context. Yeah. And and I what I've found is that I can look at the exact same situation and write several narratives about it. Yeah. And the way I write a narrative will impact how I experience it and how I live and how other people interact with me. So, you know, Yes, uh, that guy could be evil. Well, I was thinking about something. I was going to say, it's you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, um, for a big part of our shows, you would say shut down on me, right? Yeah. Shut down, shut down. And as soon as we change the narrative, yeah. it, it created space. Exactly. Yeah. A trauma response. Yeah, trauma response. Yeah. Somehow that felt better for me than uh, yeah. shut down. Yeah, you see in one narrative, something happens to your brain and something else happens in another narrative. Yeah. One was judgment. Uh, that's what was happening for me, yeah. being judged. And the other one was, oh, um, the other one gave me more space. It felt like, oh, actually, this is really a childhood thing and I need to... Well, there was, uh, I would, I don't necessarily think that the first, the shutdown was judgment. I thought I was pointing out what it was, but you could have experienced it like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I said. Yeah. I experienced it like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, clearly. And I think that once we shifted it to. Uh, you, you were, you were, you were being everyone, like the, the tonality, everything that uh, was vibrating. Yeah. Uh, you were actually being anyone that bullied me when I was small. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And breathe. Yeah. I was thinking about the times when I was, when I was triggered on, on, on our shows in the past. Mm. And I, I, I realized that I, I was triggered when I heard you judging the guest that was something that was triggering me for sure. Mm. I think the narrative, if I say what my narrative is, is the show isn't about judging people. That was my narrative. Yeah. It still is. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. few things that came up for me, but I didn't, uh, I lost my train of thought because I was holding, uh, shifted back to where you were at the moment. 
I love these moments where we all zoom in and out and mm. it comes closer to us because for a moment I relived how, how my body felt in that moment, mm. in that narrative. Yeah. And it's funny, the more we evolve as human beings, or I'll speak for myself, I, I see that there's another, like those words will probably have a different impact on me now where I am. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we spend a lot of time discussing, you know, um, people using your trauma as a, another reason to bully or blame you. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. The narrative that shifted it, by the way, was in my, my vernacular compassion. Hmm. So what, what, what changed in my mind is that we didn't treat it as a state it just is in my head. It was, Oh, we have compassion for that state. So that state allowed it not to be seen as good or bad. It was actually welcomed as part of the, where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah. Which takes me back often to the narrative with that we've shared many times on the show, but I always like to bring stories on that, that are uh, relevant for the topic was the same narrative that I had about my dad. Because, mm. you know, when, you know, when my dad threw me out of the house and said, you're dead and you're out of the will and never call me again, it was really easy to write the narrative that he was a jerk. He never loved me. Um, what an asshole. Like, and it was hard for anybody I was interacting with to say differently. Yep. Like, it wasn't like someone was going to come to me and say, Andy, you're seeing this wrong. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. Because they could have said that, but my narrative was so strong about how bad my ba dad was, was it would have been really hard for someone to give me a contrary narrative. Mm. Oh, you probably get triggered. Then I would. I would say, you didn't grow up under him. You don't know what it was like. Who are you to tell me that he actually loved me? Like that would have been the feelings that would have come up. Because in a way, if, if that story gets dismantled, then who the fuck are you? Yeah. You can't justify the whatever you're feeling. Yeah, I couldn't be the victim, which I needed him to be the perpetrator so that I could play the victim role. And... Then you had your mentor, Case the Brown, saying, "Yeah, Case asked me yeah. what, what, why did he do it?" Yeah, and then I, then in that answer, I said, "Because he loved me." It's insane that you. Uh, it, I mean, it's beautiful that you found that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but in that narrative, I changed the entire, like the the entire experience <sighs> changed. So every everything I looked at through the lens of what an asshole shifted to, wow, he loved me that much that he actually had to act this way because he was trying to protect me. Like there was a, a massive shift, not just a, not like a, a, a mental shift. There was a deep awareness and an understanding, but the narrative also shifted mm. also to the point where you see when people I've mentioned often, if people ask me, did you forgive your father? It was a weird question for me because I didn't forgive him 
I finally saw him. So the the question didn't feel relevant, but it seemed like, oh, that's how people treat these these stories. They yeah. they say, oh, I forgive him for all of his faults, where I laughingly thought, oh, well, I think if there's anything I said, I forgive myself for not seeing him all those years. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I also had a narrative about my mother. Uh-huh. Shut down. Yeah. Uh, emotion not available. <laughs> she doesn't hug us. Yeah. And when I went to Cyprus this time, I had the intention of just holding space for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I, I wasn't coming with a predisposition of thinking that I know her mm-hmm. and just giving her love and holding space and letting her say, in the past, she would say things which were really painful to listen to. I'd be scared. Oh, wow. <sighs> what are the consequences when she says this out loud and other people hear it, and then she creates tension in the family. Uh-huh. She can destroy the family. That was my narrative. And now it was more like, tell me more. I'm here. Yeah. And at some point she says, none of you ever listened to me, to anything that I had to say. Yeah. And in that moment, I realized that the reason she held on to all that stuff is because we never, no one held space for her. Yeah. So in the sharing what I saw, she started to change her narrative, yeah. even if she's conscious or not about it, but she started saying nice things about my father. Yeah. I'm like, mom, do you realize since the age of 15, you've never said anything good about that? Yeah. Like we've always seen him as this. Yeah, vilified him. Yeah. So in a way, for me, that was a really big moment. Mm. And yeah, it, it, it was very healing, like to the point where we call every morning now. I'm like, hello, mom. She says, hello, son. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to ask you a question today. She's like, are you doing this because I'm getting old and you want to check if my memory is good? <laughs> oh, nice. I'm like, yes. Uh, it was interesting. I was thinking about a narrative with Ronnie when, when, when we were originally going out and she didn't go to any of the courses or the trainings. So, like, I had this narrative. I was taking responsibility for my life and improving my my state and and learning and growing and she wasn't putting in the work she wasn't doing the self-development and the humor was was that the way it like translated into my behavior was that i would then be blaming ronnie for not doing things that i thought would bring us closer and in doing that i'd push her away your narrative would push her away. Yeah, 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 yeah. My narrative would, and she knew my narrative, and she was, she was, she, she wouldn't have anything of it, right? She never read your book. <laughs> she doesn't watch, or she actually does watch sometimes. Yeah, shows, she right? does watch the show sometimes. <laughs> she wants to know when it's over so that we can have dinner. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, the and 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 the the humor in that or the the paradox was that mm. in me not <clears throat> behaving connected. I didn't create the connection between us that could be there. And um, and then by me just starting to be vulnerable with her, we didn't need to go to a course together to learn how to be vulnerable. I just was vulnerable and we met each other in that space. Yeah. So before you weren't seeing her actually? Not at all. And afterwards when you allowed yourself to to show yourself, then in that space she got invited in. Yeah, but I also wasn't consistent with what I was doing. So I was going to, you know, authentic relating work, right? Because it wasn't 
name that at the time when I was doing it, and, but I wasn't behaving that way with her outside of the course. It was like, I need to go to a course so we can authentically relate. Yeah. So it was, I think she saw through that whole thing, like Andy, like that's n- not the way life works is why aren't you just authentic now? <laughs> why do you need the course to be authentic? So she, she under, she saw through the, the hypocrisy, let's say that. I love her. Um, I see that Iris, I don't know what she says here. I've also noticed that when I had a narrative of nobody is listening to me. Yeah, that's a big one. Since childhood, family dynamics and relationships, I talked very fast, made stories brief and even boring. Yeah. So in essence, she's saying her story of no one's listening to me was further validated because her behavior was everything making it so that that reality would be true. Because she believed that she spoke from that space. Yeah. 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 And she said, oh, of course, she, she follows it. up. Yeah. When I believe that narrative. Bravo. Exactly. Thanks, Sirius. Yeah. That's funny how that works. Or if one says, I've got nothing to say, <laughs> I'm not interesting. That, that's kind of the narrative that stops people from writing a book. It's like, I don't have anything unique to offer the world. Or I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Those are all those narratives. One chapter at a time, right? Wait, which, what's that? Oh, writing a book. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. When, um, when people go through a vision mission within a company or when they're building their own businesses, one of the first things they'll do is they'll take out a timeline and they'll write out the critical events in their lives and how they shape them. And it's one of the first things one does because it's creating an awareness and an understanding of how you've come to be who you are with all the skills and all of the abilities and the talents and all the hangups. And it's, it's interesting because that, that first process of writing this narrative for yourself, it's, it's, it's curious because a lot of people haven't done that. If you're not an entrepreneur, you don't sit down and say, I'm going to break my life into eight parts and I'm going to discuss my childhood, my high school years, you know, my first job and, and the people and the mentors and all that kind of thing. And so what I found really sweet was that when I went through my um, branding process last uh, last or two years ago uh, and looked at my narrative, you even see my narrative on the andychaliff.com website now, is is I found it so, so beautiful that I said I want to visualize the narrative and present it as a real pieces of my life that one can understand me better if they see that that life narrative. www.andyshaleff.com. It's a fun web. It's a fun website, actually. Pictures by me. Animation by Jennifer Coomer. Yeah. Writing. Jennifer Coomer did that website in case you're interested. But yeah, the, and I guess the reason why I wanted to share that was because when, when we make a connection with our life narrative, then that narrative often translates 
into everything we do afterwards. And the narrative can change over time because how we look back at situations changes over time. Just as I mentioned about my dad, Mm. if I was to write a narrative 15 years ago, I would have written, I was a victim, my dad tortured me and on and on. And now I write the narrative as this loving moment where I had to go through so I could become aware uh, of how easy it is not to see people because of their incapacity. Mm. So that's another narrative that evolved in time. And what you're saying is you were incapable of seeing him at that time. Yeah. And then that's a narrative that if you share that narrative, it helps other people who may be stuck in relationships with their parents because they'll see, oh, yeah, that's not my narrative. My narrative is based on the narrative that you had 15 years ago. Like the similar to the narrative that I had 15 years ago. I got a beautiful email yesterday from someone who read the last letter. And uh, it was sent to somebody else, but they forwarded it to me. And I uh, I had tears in my eyes because exactly the point I mentioned a moment ago about making peace with a relationship with a parent was the thing that they hadn't yet done for themselves because their narrative was that the parent was bad or evil or they didn't listen to me and or all, all, all those things. And they mm. said in reading the book, they actually saw how that narrative was making it impossible for them to make peace with the relationship with the parent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your book is probably the catalyst for me healing my relationship with my own family, right? Mm. And my past. Yeah. After reading it 15 times. Yeah. And the narrative, funny, when you say 15 times, that's also, interestingly... And I've heard like, you know, my brothers mentioned to me, Andy, tell Bombos to stop reading your book. It can't be serving him after 15 times. Right. And then I laughed because I saw which brother, Danny, Danny going on 16. (laughs) (laughs) He's watching, by the way, he watches quite regularly nowadays. Um, Is that I, I, the, the interesting thing was, was that I shifted the narrative so that actually he could better understand the reason to do anything several times is that through the repetition, one begins to feel how it feels like to be in that mindset. And, and, yeah. and, and I think that's something that people underestimate a lot. So the narrative that we place to that is two things. One could say, wow, he's an Andy file. He's totally lost. He has no clue. He's stuck in Andy. But what he, what, what they don't see is that, Oh, He's read the book because there's a mindset he's trying to connect to in himself. And by repetitively doing anything, you all of a sudden have a better sense of how that life feels like. Drop the mic, Mr. Shalef. Yeah. And and of course, we can share that narrative and then somebody might have another narrative. And then then there's the question of, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. This is just my narrative for why it's done that way. Yeah. You know, you, you get to you get to know other people from the narratives that they pick, right? Yeah. Mm. And there's a lot of storytelling going on in our heads that we're also not aware of, which is what you're pointing at. I'm not good enough is a story. Yeah. 
And then, of course, what makes us not good enough is that when we go into the narrative of that, it was because my parents never gave me the love that I actually desired or whatever the story is that we've created, the narrative to 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 feed the feeling that we have. To sustain it. Actually. To sustain it. Yeah, yeah. You need it to sustain it, actually. Because then the question of identity shows up. Who are you without that narrative is what you said earlier. Yeah. And it's hard when you lose. It's funny when we say we'll lose an identity that doesn't serve us. And yet it's a painful thing to let go of because it is, like I would always say, it's like having a funeral service for parts of your being that don't serve you anymore. Yeah. It's almost like if I look at my own life, if I have a narrative from my past, mm. um, it's like I don't. I it's almost like if I hold on to that story, I don't get. I justify being stuck, mm-hmm. and I don't get to do. I don't have to do anything. It's like yeah. oh, because of that, I'm like this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and I can keep living that and attracting people with that vibration, and then keeping each other stuck because you're having those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why having friends who, you know, I think Ronnie often says, I'd rather have people around me that don't agree with me, but have my interest at heart. I don't agree with you, Ronnie, but (laughs) I care about you. (laughs) Yeah. Because those people will, you know, Ronnie has a lot of wisdom. I know. It, it's uh she watches a lot of ted videos as well which helps me understand i get a lot of passive in, uh, passive information because i wouldn't and watch netflix those. yeah and we're listening to bruce springsteen lately <clears throat> i like bruce i'm introducing her to the boss it's a new phenomena for her she called it country music did, and i said babe you can't call it country music no. it's not country did, did you see the the movie Blinded by the light. Last night, watched it. Fucking nice movie. Second time. Yeah. And I don't know if you had the same experience. I had a lot of emotions come up for me when I was watching it because I forgot how much I tied myself to music when I was in high school. Like when I was in high school, music was how I felt my emotions was through music. So I forgot that. Because I, I I love music, but I forget how much emotion I had tied to it. And in that watching that movie, I it dawned on me. Oh, because I used to you know listen to Sting. Sting was like my my, and his lyrics were basically written only for me, because I was going through all the pain of uh, of all of the albums that he was coming out with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Even now, I could cry. One of the songs that he had on the album. Which one? He did. He did a cover version of uh, of Jimi Hendrix song "Little Wing," and it was after my mom died. And the song was basically as she's walking in the clouds mm. with the circus mask running around. And and uh, and I remember when I heard that song in high school or as college then. Then there was like a uh, there was like immediately connection to the pain of that loss. Yeah. Mm. So music was a way I processed my emotions as a as a you know teenager. I'm sure most people did as well. For, for me, it was a way to fit in. 
Oh, was but, it? But a lot of my music was really heavy. Like, I can't listen to that music anymore. Like heavy metal? Or what do you mean heavy? Oh, also heavy metal. But really, like, if, as a drug addict, the music was very mellow, like daunting. Like dark. Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd? Or what are we talking about Yeah, here? Pink Floyd, Sid Barrett, The Doors. I had everything from The Doors. Oh, even yeah. the... Oh, really? Everything. <laughs> doors are great. The end. The song, The End, is like... Listen to uh, it so many times. Wow. You, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> yeah. Probably under the influences of a lot of different drugs that might have put you at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine this the end. <laughs> my only friend, the end. I, I, uh, I, I drove a car off the highway into a tree, which was like down a cliff, listening to Hotel, Hotel California. California. You told me this. Yeah, that was. Ever since you told me that, I have a different relationship to the song Hotel California. It's a freaky song. You know, I rolled off the cliff as well. Um, you know that, right? Mulholland Drive, 13 times. It was like, no. I'm lucky to be alive. No, I, mean, I don't. Wow, one of the few stories you haven't heard from me. Yeah, when I was This in... means, it's a moment, guys. Give me a second. <laughs> take a breath. Take a breath. We'll be sharing this story every episode moving forward. <laughs> no, we won't. Because there wasn't enough excitement around it. Um, but so we were driving down Mulholland. Uh, way too fast. I wasn't driving. I was the passenger. Suzuki Samurai skirted off the side of the road because there was there was uh, dust on the road, and we just da, 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 da. I mean, we kept going and going and going. And I remember it was uh, Phil Collins or Genesis. I don't know who which, but the song was "Land of Confusion." That was I remember this. Uh, You're in a land of confusion, and uh, and was, so was this before or after your mother died? This is way before. Yeah, yeah. This is way before, and then. We, we made it to the bottom and it was one of the most surreal experiences because you've got, you know, it was one of those moments, everything slowed down. We went off the cliff, started going and going and going. The police kind of gave us the, the measurement because it, it just didn't stop. It was such a long hill. Finally, we hit something that, that broke our fall. And I remember we were on our sides. So like this car stopped and I was, the person was like, I was on my side and the person was, so they unbuckled themselves and then they fell on me, of course, because they were, you know, I'm, I'm closer to the ground. And, uh, and, oh. and then, uh, and then we it took us a long time to get up the hill because it was so far up that we had to walk and we'd slide down and it, it was, and thankfully somebody who was behind so, us. So no concussions, no. Well, I mean, we went to the hospital and I was, I was. I hit my head. They were anxious. And then I was sitting in the, in the emergency room and the guy across from me, it was one of the weirdest experiences. He was shot. And so it was like, we were like both very, very kind of not, not fully present. And he asked me what happened to me. And I said, I rolled off a cliff. I said, what happened to you? He said, I just got shot. And both of us were like, wow, that's amazing. You know? And then, and then I think what happened was they started, they put the, the blood pressure on my arm and I realized what had happened. And then my, my heart rate shot up like just zero to a, to a hundred. And, uh, and then they were going to give me a shot, but then I cooled down because I just settled, but it was like, wow, that just happened. Yeah. And then my dad, the thing I dreaded most, my dad showed up because he was the one who picked me up and he had no compassion. He was just angry and bitter. And he told me he never wanted me to see that friend again. Yeah. Did, did you? Yeah. Yeah. He was like my best friend at that time. Hmm. 
And that story is uh, just was asked that happened on Mohol and Drive, quite a well-known street uh, in Los Angeles area for Bola Long, who asks. And David Lynch movie. Yeah, was David Lynch movie as well. And like, uh, so a situation like that happens. And then finally, looking back, what's the narrative of that? There's the story, which is what I just shared. But what's the narrative which I place to that story? And I, I see that as a little bit different. The, the story is how I create a, uh, a story which makes it sound interesting and playful. And the narrative then is how I take that story and make a story around that story. Mm. So if I said, oh, I was 18 years old and I was still trying to figure life out and I was hanging out with bad people and he was irresponsible. And like that would be the narrative, I would say. And I'm sure that there would be, you know, I'm sure that Bob Deutsch would have a distinction in there that I don't have. But I kind of see there's the story and that can also be part of a narrative. But then there's this application of a, of a, a kind of a, what it meant to me, how it impacted my life, what changed. Like that's, that for me is really the narrative. Yeah. So what's the narrative for you about this show? Hmm. I love the narrative of real conversations with real people embodied and everything on the table. Mm. And we allow ourselves to cry. We allow ourselves to laugh and we allow ourselves to silences. Mm. and people get to tune in and witness if they choose to or not we're still doing it <laughs> yeah boy do you like it or not <laughs> it's been quite a fucking journey this uh, wonderful chaos 244 episodes 244 episodes yeah it's interesting because if the narrative becomes god how did we get here or God, I can't wait to do the next 244. <laughs> There's a very different energy that we bring into the into the future of this program, right? It'll be funny. I'll be broadcasting from Cyprus. You'll be broadcasting from Spain. Yeah. Fuck, the internet doesn't work. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> it, the wonderful chaos may very well come back. Just, it's just technologically, it's a wonderful chaos. Bolalong is asking a question. We're going to our hour, but he asks, is there a difference between telling a story and narrating it? You know... This is a hard, I'm, I'm, I've not given a lot of thought to this, but I do know that I can tell a story of what happened and feel like I narrate it when I put more of my interpretation into it and my spin to it. So I often would like to clarify, um, I, I, I did not have a, um, what do you call it? I don't have a monopoly on the use of words. So I use words the way I use them and I apply the meaning that I apply to it. And I just see storytelling is, of course, about narration. And I would say where a story for me becomes more about how I narrate it is the more interpretation, the more I apply meaning to it in a way that then defines how I live, who I am, what it says about me, and less about the story. So I can't 
say that that's the best answer, but that's that's my answer to bowl along with, is there a difference between telling a story and narrating it? Feels like story is I'm immersed in it and I'm feeling the emotions with it and narrating, I'm distancing myself from it as I'm sharing it. Mm, that, that's how you see it, yeah. Yeah. I can tell you like in your life, how I would see a story and a narration to it the story is in my mind, right? I'm going back to live in in um, in Cyprus for three months at the end of this year. So that would be the story part of it. And for me, the narrating part of it would be I'm going there to reacquaint myself with a country that I left many years ago that I didn't know how to make uh, make peace with. I'm going to see what possibilities there are to create a a business. Uh, so, you, so you have the opposite of me. Yeah, exactly. So that's thing. But, but that, that this is semantics. Everyone yeah. would have their own, their own. I just see when I narrate it, I'm giving my meaning to a story. Nice. And the story is basically simple, or it becomes more of how I narrate that story. That's that's the mm. sense that I give it. But like I said, and I said I put emotion into it, so yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say it's any different. Because so ba- that emotion yeah. means I'm putting a piece of me in there. Mm-hmm. In the story or in the narration? In the story. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm going to Google it afterwards. The, yeah, it feels like it feels like we're saying the same thing. It's just we've applied different meaning to the words. Yeah, yeah. But I love it. So if you listen to this, you will have learned absolutely nothing. <laughs> you got this far. Uh, we thank you for joining us again on A Wonderful Chaos. It's Monday, so that means we got four shows ahead of us. Four shows, people. And four shows. And tomorrow, tomorrow, we have both my parents are meth addicts with Tyler Hall. Yeah, we're going to have a just how does life look like when you've got two parents that are meth addicts? That's just wild. <laughs> and that's the narrative. <laughs> yeah, that's the narrative because because he has a bigger story. But I said, I really want to like engage you on how life is from there what what does it feel like to become the parent to your to your parents and that was the narrative you're right that's the narrative i chose yeah he has another story where he was a flight attendant and he quit his job because he had panic attacks i could have chosen panic attacks well i think you wrote that i wrote it but i could have made the story i could have chosen the narrative for this to be panic attacks and the wonderful thing about our show even though we create a context, we can go everywhere. Mm. So in a way, it wouldn't surprise me if we touched that part of his life anyway. Yeah, true. It just tries to, we just try to give something to entice people to join us to begin with. Hook. Just a little hook. Hook. Just hooking you in and seeing if we can keep you on the line. And we're going to do that tomorrow and the next four days on. A wonderful core. <laughs> a wonderful what? Chaos. Chorus? What was the word you were going to say? A wonderful chorus. Join us on a wonderful chorus. We just changed the name of the show. Thank you. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it that way.